Brandon Marshall. Noah Syndergaard. I'm Andrew Lundquist. I'm Jamal Adams. World Series champion, Tino Martinez. Two-time Olympic gold medalist and World Cup champion, Tobin Heath. And you listen to Danielle McCartan on 60-Minute Overtime. On WRPR. www.prosportsrundown.com. At Coach McCartan. Facebook.com. Slash Coach McCartan. Well, hello, everybody. After a week that I had off last week, I am, and if you're watching online, and you could probably hear it in my voice, a little bit <laughs> under, under the weather, but we'll make it work for the next hour or so. I'm Danielle McCartan, your hostess for 60 Minute Overtime Sports Talk Radio with the New York Flair, New Jersey Flair here. Uh, today's guests, I'll have TJ Reeves. He's going to help me preview the Tampa Bay Bucks, New Jersey Giants preview, and he's got a unique perspective because he is the sideline reporter, the official one, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll hear from him a little bit later. And um, if you guys, you know, contact me and talk to me outside of this 60-minute overtime world, you know that last weekend I traveled to Chicago, and through some flight changes and everything, I just I couldn't get here um, last Sunday to do it, the show, but... I asked a while ago, after the Cubs won the World Series, I asked Joe Madden, does he prefer New York pizza or Chicago pizza? And I had never been to Chicago before, so I finally, I, I'll tell you his answer, he'll tell you his answer, and then I'll tell you my answer, which is better, New York or Chicago-style pizza? And of course, we have uh, the Jets on, on the bill for today, the Giants, Giants matchups, and a bunch of other things. So, if you guys want to call in, here's the phone number. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. So the New York Jets, we'll start with today. The New York Jets absolutely need to fire their head coach, Todd Bowles. Thank you, next for the Jets and their head coach, Carousel. Thank you, Todd Bowles. But we're on to the next one here because, listen, as the guy, the benefit of the doubt here in New York, um, but at, in the National Football League, as a head coach, you need to produce results and positive results, especially in this town. The honeymoon time is over, guys, and Todd Bowles. Time has come for the New York Jets to fire head coach Todd Bowles. And his his fate shouldn't be predicated on, on what happens the rest of this season. Even if the Jets win out and somehow, I don't know, I think they're mathematically eliminated, though, to make the playoffs. Bottom line is, Bowles' overall lifetime record as Jets head coach, 23-35. and 35. His challenge win-loss record as Jets head coach, he's won 9, he's lost 18. And Todd Bowles has never made the playoffs as a head coach. Now, there's just some guys that just cut out to be defensive coordinators and can never make the jump to being a head coach. And I think over the past couple years, we've seen that with Todd Bowles. So let's get, get the picture here. Let's, let's get the whole picture here. The Jets selected a franchise quarterback who happened to be number one on their draft board, we found out. Third overall in last year's draft. They finished 2017 at 5-11. and so to secure that third pick, to make sure that they had Sam Darnold, what the Jets did was to the Indianapolis Colts, they relinquished their sixth overall pick of last year to 
second round picks from last year and a second round pick for next year. And that's a ton of stock for a team with a lot of holes to plug to invest in a quarterback that actually has regressed this season. Probably because how he's been coached. So the Jets aren't there. Not quite yet. The fact of the matter is, what happened this season, the Jets should have let Todd Bowles find his own way home from Miami two Sundays or three Sundays ago. They scored a season-low six points. Darnold threw for a season-high four interceptions, including a pick six, as the Jets were trying to mount that comeback in the, the, the waning minutes of the game in the fourth quarter. And the Jets called upon kicker Jason Myers to hit a 55-0 yard field goal earlier in the game. He missed it. But what does that tell you about the offense and the confidence level in the offense? There is none. You're asking your kicker to hit a 50-yard field goal because you can't you don't think your team can get you a first down to keep the drive moving. The offense has been absolutely absolutely anemic under Todd Bowles. It was a brutal loss to the Miami Dolphins two Sundays ago. Or three, now. Actually, Sam Darnold in that game completed more touchdown passes to the Dolphins, one, than he did his own team, zero. And the rookie told the media after that game that he was playing, quote, stupid football. Well, unintelligent football, to me, falls on the shoulders of the coaching staff, not adequately preparing a 21-year-old quarterback for NFL action. Read between the lines. His mistakes were of the worst kind. And as a coach myself, mental mistakes kill you. The physical mistakes are going to happen. But stupid football, to me, equates to be a mental mistake. We can't have that. We can't have that. We can't ruin yet another quarterback here in New York. I think the Browns are the only other team that has had more quarterbacks in recent, you know, in recent history than the Jets. So Bowles said he's, quote, very concerned about the lack of production from the Jets. Uh, I wouldn't have used that word. I probably would have used the word alarmed. The team is averaging 250 yards and 11 points a game. While the Saints are working out veteran wide receivers, Brandon Marshall, I think they signed him, and Des Bryant, who blew out his ACL, the Jets have done pretty much nothing to rectify their, their poor offensive production, other than cut a veteran wide receiver in a week where they desperately needed one because Quincy and Ninwa and Robbie and Anderson were out due to injury. Actually, they and then Todd Bowles elected to start a center with a dislocated finger on his snapping hand rather than start the backup for that guy. And he kept him in. There were a couple bad snaps throughout the game and he kept him in and only made the change in late in the fourth quarter. Now, where is the logic in that? If he's good enough to start, he should be good enough to finish, no? The Jets should have gone with the backup from the beginning. Now, not only have the Jets been bad, but they've been bad in, in a division with arguably the most consistently good team in football history. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. The Jets have finished out of last place in the AFC East only once under Todd Bowles. That was his first year. So that argument could be made that in that year, much of that team was still intact from the prior regime, which includes head coach Rex Ryan and former GM John Idzik. So that's a possible reason why that under Todd Bowles' first year, the Jets finished 
The only year they finished out of last place was that year. And guys, the game of professional football is evolving before our eyes. Whether you like it or not. The NFL has taken a turn a la the NBA. Where excitement over scoring defeats the excitement over a staunch defensive battle. The trend of the rules and the penalties being changed and new ones put in place in recent years reflects that. Therefore, more defensive-minded head coaches should and will meet the same fate as dinosaurs. Extinction. Those coaches, like I said, like Todd Bowles, are better served as defensive coordinators, not as head coaches. And the classic example of a prototypical New Age head coach who the Jets should be uh, pursuing, someone like this guy, 32-year-old Los Angeles Rams coach, Sean McVay. Like the Rams have Jared Goff, the Jets have their franchise quarterback. They just need to find themselves their own McVay in order to be relevant again. And let me tell you something. More points bring more audience. Just ask the NBA. I think, I mean, I'm looking at the scores from the Knicks and, and the Nets games. The Nets lost 129 to 124. Oh, I'm sorry, the Nets was the Knicks, and then and the Nets lost 127 to 119. Are we going to finally see our are, are the 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 Golden State Warriors going to score 200 points this season? What's what? What are the odds on that on the FanDuel betting app? But to that point, you're almost devaluing the game because two points here and there don't really mean anything until the final two minutes, as we know in basketball. That takes an hour. But the Jets are so bad that I have a very special What the F story of the week after the break. Here at Top Golf, the grass is greener on our side of the fence. But you guys don't have grass. True, but we have buckets of beer instead of buckets of balls. You like that? And our high-tech tee-offs let you know exactly how far you hit your 7-iron. So I can bring my own puck. How else are you going to beat your buddy, Dave? Now tuck your shirt in and put your spikes on I'm kidding. In fact, go nuts. Bet on yourself, talk a big game, score high. You mean score low. Score however, because this is Top Golf. This is everyone's game. Okay, what the f***? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Jets, as we were saying, versus the Dolphins was an awful game. But even the game after that, against the Buffalo Bills, that might have been the worst game in recent memory. And worse than the Buffalo game, which I turned off. Because the Jets... Lost to the Buffalo Bills and their third string quarterback. So, this is Morgan Evans, day drunk. So, the Jets played a 1 p.m. game, right? They ended around, which is in the daytime, <laughs> they probably ended around what, 4 15? So, the Wayne police, right here, they responded to a call of a three car traffic accident around 5 15, roughly, roughly about an hour after the Jets game ended last week versus the Buffalo Bills. That was on Route 23 North. The, the last car caused a chain reaction crash 
when he rear-ended another car and, and so on. The driver that caused the accident stepped out of his car. You know he told officers? He told officers, and this is a quote, alleged quote. He said he drank too much because the Jets suck. That's right. Christopher Grayshock, who is 57 years old. He's from West Milford, New Jersey. Right here. Right then and there, he was he was administered a field sobriety test, which he obviously failed. Because, obviously, you would not say that out loud, right? Now, the officers might have been Giants fans because they were not amused. The guy was arrested and he was things. Obviously, driving while intoxicated. Assault by auto and drug possession. They pushed it to the max. His blood alcohol content was 0.13% and the legal limit in New Jersey is 0.08%. And the, the guy's mugshot, if you if you get a chance, if you buy a computer, which I'm sure some of you guys are, whether the stra- streaming on uh, Periscope, on Facebook Live, and on YouTube Live, I want you to Google Christopher Grayshock mugshot. Because he genuinely seems happy with himself. He's smiling. Smugly. And this shit just didn't circle around our New York news here. This made national news. When I googled his name, his name came up in the Las Vegas Review Journal, for example. That's almost all the way to the West Coast. Well, I have some good news for you, Christopher. The Jets, they're not playing this week. So they can't lose. First apartment, 62nd Rotini. Ah, here we go. Hi, honey. Hey, Mom. Are you eating well? Uh, yeah, I'm actually making something right now. New Barilla Ready Pasta. Deliciously al dente in just 60 seconds. Simply add your favorite ingredients and enjoy. Hey, there you go. I can almost smell it. New Barilla Ready Pasta. 60 seconds to wonderful. So this is brought to you by Boone Enterprises Authentic Autographs. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. in-store in Pompton Plains, New Jersey, New York Jets linebacker Darren Lee will be signing autographs. You could bring your own equipment or buy the items in-store. Lee will be signing autographs from 7 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $35, and to call, the phone number is 973-534-2448. Ask for Craig. Tell him Danielle sent you. So in the MLB, New York Yankees Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres finished behind Los Angeles pitcher Shohei Otani in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. Meanwhile, New York Mets pitcher Jacob deGrom almost unanimously locked up the NL Cy Young Award. Here's what he had to say. Um, it's awesome. Truly an honor. Um, uh, kind of speechless, honestly. Um, you know, I got to thank God just for the talents and abilities that he's given me and the opportunity to play this game that I love. Um, also want to thank my family, uh, my wife, Stacy, uh, and the kids for the support that they give me and the Baseball Writers uh, Association for uh, the votes, uh, coaches, teammates, um, and just everybody involved. You know, couldn't have done it without everybody. And the New Jersey Devils lost a heartbreaker in overtime yesterday at The Rock. They fell to the Detroit Red Wings 3-2 to after relinquishing a 2-0 lead. 
Their next game is 5 p.m. today versus the, at the Carolina Hurricanes. New York Rangers, behind a strong effort, they defeated the Florida Panthers 4-2 at the Garden last night. With that win, the fifth in a row on home ice, goaltender Henrik Lundqvist moved up to 7th place all-time in wins. He is 8 wins away from overtaking 6th place. New York Knicks are now 4-12 after losing to the New Orleans Pelicans 129-124 in Louisiana. Anthony Davis led all players with a double-double. 40 points and 17 rebounds. The Knicks continue their road trip tomorrow at the at the Orlando Magic at 6 p.m. on MSG. And the Nets in Brooklyn, after leading through three quarters of action last night against the LA Clippers, could not close the door on them. They lost 127 to 119 at the Barclays Center. The New York Jets have a week 11 bye. Their schedule will resume on Sunday, November 25th at 1 p.m. for will host the division-leading New England Patriots. And the Giants host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this afternoon at 1 p.m. from a 43-degree East Rutherford, New Jersey. Defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul returns to MetLife Stadium for the first time since being traded in March. Pierre-Paul won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. I'm Danielle McCartan, and that was your 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense. Royal Caribbean's Wow Sale is back. Percent off your second guest and up to $200 to spend at sea. But hurry, this limited time offer ends today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Book your Caribbean adventure now. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Hey, did someone say pizza? Well, as I mentioned in the intro, I had traveled to Chicago for the first time last weekend. Did a lot of things, including seeing stadium number 11 out of 30 on my list, which was guaranteed rate field, home of the Chicago White Sox. People out there hate that name, apparently. Guaranteed rate field. They want to change that. But okay. I couldn't go to Wrigley Field because we did drive past it, and they are doing major construction to Wrigley Field. Major. I also toured the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame, and I was joined briefly by George Randazzo, who was founded the museum, and he's the father of MLB umpire Tony Randazzo. But most importantly, as a pizza connoisseur myself, I had to do the Chicago pizza tour. Now I had asked manager Joe Madden, I would say right after they won the World Series, which was not that long ago. Which pizza he preferred, New York style pizza or Chicago style pizza? And here's what he had to say: Chicago or New York or New Jersey pizza? Uh, New York. Ha! A pensive little thought, and he decided on saying New York. Well, I now know why it was hard for him to make a decision on that. That was Joe Madden, the manager of the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs. I tried tavern-style pizza. I tried deep-dish pizza. I've tried pan pizzas in four different places, in four different neighborhoods in Chicago. And I have a verdict. I prefer... I tried thin crust, too, yes, which is tavern-style, yes. Someone just asked me on Periscope. I prefer New York, New Jersey-style pizza. I would have picked tavern-style pizza from Pizzano's, which was my favorite. I would have picked that. Thin crust, nice. But it's cut into these baby, baby squares. 
the reason why, and I learned this on the tour, and you'll learn this today, the reason why they cut them in such little squares was when they started, it's called tavern-style pizza. So what happened was people would go, the working class would go to the bar after their after their job ended, they would order some drinks, and they didn't have anything to eat, so they would leave. So what the bartender started doing was putting little baby squares of pizza. For every drink you ordered, you got a little square of pizza on your little napkin, and that kept you there. Obviously, you spent more money. So it's still to this day, they cut the thin crust pizza into little baby, baby squares. So not every, most of the pieces don't have a crust on them. So I would have picked that if it was cut better. Nah, just give me the oily triangles that drip with the orange oil, stringy cheese that we're used to here in New York and New Jersey. So there you have it. I am siding with Chicago Cubs manager Joe Madden in that we both prefer New York-style pizza over Chicago-style pizza. But let me don't get me wrong. Chicago-style pizza was not bad. All pizza is good, isn't it? Let's get into something that's not so good on the New York Giants. Well, it depends on who you ask. But overall, they have not been good this season. So we'll talk a little bit about the Giants. Let me have a Giants-Bucks preview coming up shortly after that. Big Australia is back. And your favourites are even bigger with the big, juicy 18-ounce centre-cut sirloin. The ultimate Great Barrier combo. And the new three-cheese steak dip. Hurry in. Food this big is only here for a limited time. Ariana Grande and I have a word or a phrase for you Giants fans out there. Just keep breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. No, I gotta keep, keep on breathing. <laughs> Just keep breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. Oh, yeah. The Giants come from hind victory over the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football was reminiscent of the good old days for Big Blue, didn't, wasn't it? Eli Manning engineered his 41st, including the postseason, game-winning drive. The offensive line allowed only one sack. And Odell Beckham Jr. found his dance moves in the end zone twice, which tied his season total entering Week 10. After the game, head coach Pat Shermer told the media, I think the combination of having more time to throw the ball, along with a little bit more accurate on some throws, the results were much better. Well, isn't he Captain Obvious? All is well, at least temporarily, in Giants Nation. And if you're going to the game today, the 1 p.m. game versus the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, Alec Ogletree has a message for you. I'm Alec Ogletree. The Giants are partnering with Stop and Shop to support Food Bank at our annual game day food drive on Sunday, November 18th. If you are coming to the game, please bring a canned or non-perishable food item with you. Thank you. So you heard him. It's the time of year. So bring a canned good to Giants sta- or MetLife Stadium today if you are going to the game. Um, so now the 2-7 and seven Giants take their new, they have a new mantra among the Giants, and that is undefeated in the second half mentality. They're going to take that to the 3-6 and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, 1 p.m. New Jersey. That er- there is at least one player on the Bucks step chart that has had this game circled on his calendar. Defensive end, Jason Pierre-Paul. He was dealt from the Giants to the Bucks in March, and he was particularly irked that he only received phone calls from Eli Manning and general manager Dave Gettleman, who was the one who told him that he was being traded. 
no member of the Mara family called Pierre Paul upon his departure from New York. Perhaps, maybe, though, they were still annoyed that after mangling his hand in a fireworks incident, Pierre Paul did not allow the Giants past the waiting room of his Florida hospital when they went to go visit him. So there's always two sides to that story. So some Giants keys to victory. Listen, entering play, the Buccaneers are the last in the league, having turned the ball over 25 times. And they're second to last in the league in takeaways. So if the Giants could somehow force fumbles and force interceptions, they got this game on lock. They just need to capitalize it in terms of points. Because we know how that goes. Those are hard to come by, the Giants offense. Second, the Giants need to cover the tight end. Uh, if you've if you've been a fan of my show and you've watched or listened to it over the, the weeks and years, I say it almost every week, the Giants struggle in covering the tight end. So if you guys have O.J. Howard available for pickup in your fantasy league, go out and get him, even Cameron Brait, because the Giants allow an average of 11.6 yards per catch to opposing teams' tight ends. And they get pretty much 57 yards a game. Now, safety Landon Collins and linebacker Alec Ogletree, they hold most of the responsibility covering the, the middle of the field there, where tight ends seem to roam. But last week, 49ers tight end George Kittle, he was targeted 10 times. He had 9 receptions for 83 yards. Okay, so if you have O.J. Howard, put him in, because he's 6'6", 242 pounds, and he's going to be a matchup nightmare. Because we have 6 foot 16 Collins, 6'3", 232 Ogletree. And that's what they're listed as. The guy seems to be Howard, it is. He's the receiver on third down and in the red zone for that team. All but one of his five touchdown receptions came from at or closer than the 10-yard line. But defensive coordinator James Betcher says that he loves the matchup between Landon Collins, who has checked out this show, by the way, Landon Collins on Periscope, the replay. I've screenshotted that. So, Landon Collins, you have your hands full today versus O.J. Howard. Your defensive coordinator is behind you, so we'll see how that goes. And the Giants' passing offense is the third key to victory for the Giants. Obviously, Eli Manning had a batter week last week, but the offensive line held its own. He only was sacked once, a season low. And the Bucks' passing defense is not that good. Opposing quarterbacks post an average quarterback rating of 122.3 against it, which is the best in the league. 25th in yards allowed per completion, 29th in the league in passing yards per game, and 30th in yards per pass attempt. So this game is going to be won on the right arm of Eli Manning today, or lost. And the Buccaneers' keys to victory, I have three. One, the Buccaneers are no, the NFL's number one offense. Really. They're first in offensive yards a game, and you'll hear TJ and I talk about this. Case in point, they just can't get the ball in the end zone. Last week they scored, they, they put up 501 total yards of offense and three points total. Red zone efficiency, they're not too efficient. It's like almost, they're as, almost as efficient as, as uh, flipping a coin and guessing heads because that is just about the percentage that they operate. And Tampa Bay's former kicker, Chandler Cananzaro, they got rid of him because he stunk. I think TJ will tell you they're on their seventh seventh kicker of the season so far. Cairo Santos is their latest guy. They're hoping he can get it done. And finally, the third thing, and probably the most important thing, pressure Eli Manning. 
Come on. Jason Pierce, Paul said he had this game checked off since he left New Jersey. So emotions are running big. He said, I'm coming, man. I'm bringing the house down. Oh, boy. Those are some fighting words. On the season, Pierre Paul has eight sacks. I verified that. He has eight sacks. And the entire Giants defense has ten. Woo! So he's having a great resurrection season down there in Tampa. Did they finally, Giants, turn the Rubik's Cube to the right sides here and get the right combination for offensive linemen? We'll see today. But they did pick up Jamon Brown from the Rams, and he held his own last week. So the, the joke is that he is still undefeated because he left an undefeated Rams team. He joined the Giants for one week, and they won. So Jamon Brown is the only undefeated player on the Giants roster. <laughs> and here's my bottom line. The Giants in 2018 are 0-4 at home. And they've been outscored there 107-59. to But they're coming off their best, most complete team win against the 49ers on the National Monday Night Football stage. I think today is going to be the Giants' first victory in front of the home crowd. Sunday, today, daytime. The home crowd is going to have a reason to stay in their seats through the end of the game. And they're just going to have one more of the waning opportunities to cheer on their longest tenured quarterback, Eli Manning. My final score prediction. Giants 21, Buccaneers 10. Go ahead and lock that one in. Now we're going to turn it over to my uh, my talk with TJ Reeves, the Buccaneers official sideline reporter. TJ, uh, we got the Bucks giants today from the Meadowlands, and uh, there's a lot of injuries for the Bucks on both sides of the ball. What could you tell us about the, the latest injury update? Well, it is bad news on a couple of fronts for the Buccaneers, uh, namely Levante David, the star middle linebacker, former pro bowler, arguably the best and most consistent player on the defense over his career the last seven years. Injured in the second half of the game last week with the Redskins, did come back to play in the game, but has a sprained knee ligament and will not be able to play in this game. Already ruled out for this game, so that's a big blow for the Buccaneer defense right away to not have number 54 out there. And this is this is coming on the heels of having another star linebacker, Quan Alexander, back about three, four weeks ago to share his ACL. He's out for the year. And so that's the two guys, the Bucks in the middle, Danielle, have been counting on that obviously aren't playing in this game, so that's advantage Giants. And there, there are several other significant injuries that are, that are on both sides of the ball for this team. And look, this time of year, you're going to have to deal with injuries. So nobody, nobody's going to cry for you. Nobody's going to sit back and say, oh, but, you know, poor situation for the Buccaneers. you gotta, you got to figure it out with reserves and with young players. But it, it is tough at the moment uh, with some of the injuries that the Bucs have and, and guys that uh, they're going to be without in this game. Now, that compounds a further issue that the Bucks secondary is, uh, let's just say, very mediocre. Um, oh, you're being kind. <laughs> you're being kind. It's been bad. Very been bad. Really bad. So how does that look for Eli Manning and, obviously, we know Shepard and Beckham and all the guys that they have there? Well, the Bucks have been worst in the NFL in terms of passing yards allowed per game, last in scoring up until last week when they only allowed 16 points total to the Redskins. And a lot of that has had to do with the young secondary, and they ruled out another player on Friday, Justin Evans, the second-year starting safety, has a turf toe situation, has an injured toe. He's not going to be able to play 
in this game. So you're really going down the depth chart. The veteran Brent Grimes, who's a former Pro Bowler, will probably be on Beckham for a lot of the game. That's the, that's arguably the Bucks' best player in the secondary. But other than that, I mean, you got a rookie in Carlton Davis, a rookie second-round pick. He may be on Beckham on occasion. He may be on Sterling Shepard for a lot of the game uh, as well. So you, you've got some huge, you've got some inexperience in the back end of the defense also. It's, it's going to be really critical that the Bucks get some pass rush on Eli Manning. Uh, and where secondary has been a deficiency for them, I know you're going to get to this, offensive line has been a woeful deficiency for the Giants. So that may be advantage Buccaneers. If they're going to stop the pass, it may be because they're pressuring and sacking Eli Manning before he can ever get underway. Yeah, and that seems to be the uh, the recipe. Eli Manning has, I don't know about factoring in last week's game, but before that, he had the least amount of time in the NFL to, to let off a pass under 2.5 seconds. Woo! So. Well, and it, it, it looked like it. Those first few games uh, were hard to watch, and even the game on Monday night for a lot of it, they were having trouble protecting him and giving him time to throw. And so that's what the Bucks hope to take advantage of. And I know you were probably coming to Jason Pierre-Paul at some point anyway. That's been a big topic down here. And it's obviously uh, you know, going to be a big topic in New York with his return after playing so many years with the Giants. And this is the first time that he gets to put a hit on Eli Manning. He's joked about that, Daniel, this week in the locker room, that this is the first opportunity that he's had to, to actually physically get to knock Eli Manning down or sack him. And it comes because he's playing in an opposing jersey and, and dressing in the other locker room and standing on the other sideline. So he's anxious to see what he can do. Uh, and, and there's some other Buccaneers that are anxious to get after him if they can on Sunday. Well, obviously, JPP is going to be after Eli, obviously. And, you know, he said he had that game circled. But there's another element that I kind of wanted to ask you about. What Has, has the media coverage also mentioned down there that – you know, Eli Manning was one of the two guys that called him when he was going to the Bucks. Eli called him, and Dave Gettleman called him, obviously, to inform him of the of the move. But, you know, he was sort of kind of disappointed that the Giants' ownership did not call him as well to wish him well. I mean, he did win a Super Bowl with the Giants. He did play his whole career with the Giants up until that point. But everybody seems to forget that JPP, after he, you know, had that fireworks incident, he did not let the Giants out of the waiting room when they came to visit him in Florida. Has that been talked about? Well, it's a, it's a good point that there was some acrimony there for a while about how serious he was hurt and whether they could come see him and come see his hand and et cetera, et cetera. And yet it all got smoothed over, obviously, because he got a contract extension after all of this and, and began to play at a higher level uh, back two years ago, 2016, and, and to an extent in 2017. So they obviously smoothed it over, and, and it's New York. What else is new? you got to have drama. you got to create a story sometimes, even if one is not there. So I guess the, hey, JPP didn't get a call from ownership when they traded him away has to be part of the, of the subplot. But look, at, at the end of the day, uh, they spoke loudly with giving him that contract extension. They spoke loudly again when they basically gave up on him and traded him for a third-round pick. And, and to this point, he's got nine sacks in eight games. He is, Daniel, the first Buccaneer since 2002. This speaks more to the Buccaneer pass rush and how it hasn't been getting it done. He's the first Buck, though, in 16 seasons to have a sack in five consecutive games. He did that streak earlier this year. He would like nothing better than to have a day where he terrorizes Eli Manning and, and says to the Giants, you made a mistake giving up on me. Because the Giants this year have 10 sacks as a team total. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, uh, well, and, and I will say this, in, in 
field. He has been a veteran that younger guys on the defensive line and the defensive room as a whole can lean on. And that, I guess, was one of the criticisms in New York is that maybe he wasn't a guy that was vocal, wasn't a guy that was willing to help the younger guys and the other guys. That has certainly been the case right now in Tampa Bay. And, and Coach Dirk Cutter has said repeatedly, including leading up to this game, his leadership is, is something that they have been greatly impressed with. Let's see if it continues. Now, sort of put on a back burner to that storyline is Ryan Fitzpatrick's turn, return to New York. Now, obviously he played for the Jets, but it's still East Rutherford. It is still MetLife Stadium. If you could give Ryan Fitzpatrick a grade for this season, what would it be? That's a great question. Right now, I think it's probably a C plus over the course of the last couple of games because he has struggled to reignite this team after what we saw. Now, if you had the grade after the first two weeks, it's an A plus. And I know you you teach and we grade sometimes on the curve. It might have been a, it might have been like a hundred and five with some extra credit, Danielle. Might have been hundred and ten the way that he played in those first couple of games uh, for this team. So uh, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks he's been bit by the turnover bug in the two games with Carolina and last week with three of them um, in the in the game with Washington. Although one of them's not his fault. He got blindside sack in the fourth quarter and fumbled the ball down inside the ten yard line when he basically had no chance on that play. But look, he's got to take care. Of, he's got to take care of the football better than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. But the guy threw for four hundred yards again last week. He's now got four games this year when he's thrown for four hundred yards. The Bucks have weapons, and Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good, if not great, for a lot of this season being able to find those weapons. So as much as he got chastised with the Jets, he had nowhere near the receivers to work with that he does with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You'll see that on Sunday because this guy's throwing it all over the yard to guys like Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and the big tight ends, O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, and the Giants are going to have their hands full with those guys. Everybody has this season because with the exception of last week, you, you, you can't throw them you know, out and just disregard it. Last week they scored three points. Other than that, this team has scored three, four, or five touchdowns in every game. So you've got some weapons. You've got the ability to throw the football. Now, being around the team as, as you are, what is the feeling around the Bucks regarding Fitzpatrick? Are they planning to retain him or let him walk at the end of this season? Great question again. One-year deal, and basically it was Coach Dirk Cutter and, and to an extent General Manager Jason Light that really came to Fitzpatrick, who, who was contemplating retirement. Right. At 35 years of age, was thinking about... And am I done? And they talked him into, we need you here for your, your mentoring of Jameis Winston and for this situation. This is before they knew the suspension was coming with Winston at the beginning of the year. So the question now becomes, uh, what is the future? What's the future with Winston? And could you convince Fitzpatrick to do another one-year deal? Would you give him a two-year deal? Would he look to do a bigger deal, a better deal somewhere else if somebody puts something in front of him? It is not a very strong free agent quarterback market Correct. right now. You, you could look at it and say Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the top one or two names to play on a one-year deal for 2019. Because I have. So, yeah. TJ, I have. I looked at it just in case Eli Manning decides to not come back. My two options for the Giants were if Bridgewater decides to leave the Saints, sure, or Fitzpatrick for, like you said, like a one-year deal. That were my choices for the Giants if Eli Manning goes. Okay, where else are you going? Sam Bradford, who, who's available yet again? I mean, you start looking at who are the veterans, who are the free agents to be, 
And, I mean, if Brock Osweiler, who's on a one-year deal in Miami and won a few games, if they elect not to re-sign him and bring him back, is that who you're calling to if you're looking for a free agent quarterback? I don't think so. So let, let's see what Fitzpatrick looks like. And, again, he's got 14 years in. He's already played in that market. You know, there would be some questions about, you know, whether or not he can handle the criticism again for the mistakes, the turnovers. I mean, that's the difference when you're playing in a place like Tampa Bay or when you played in Buffalo and he's played a couple of other places where it's not nearly the aggressive market that New York City is. You can get away with having bad turnover games. And you don't have every tabloid newspaper plastering Fitz Tragic all over it. <laughs> WFAN going crazy on the air and the Internet going crazy the same way that it is in New York or Chicago or New England or, or Washington, D.C. or one of those markets. So uh, let's see. Let's see if he continues to succeed. Again, when he has been good, he has been really, really good so far this season. And, and the Giants better hope he's not really, really good Sunday or it could be a long day. All right, now let's talk about it. The, the Buccaneers are first in offensive yards per game. That's more than the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Saints, all considered playoff teams. They're first... The Bucks are first in passing yards a game, again, over the Falcons, Steelers, Chiefs, and Rams. So with such a high-powered offense, why can't they win any games? <laughs> that's a great question. And part of it is the defense has been so bad. I mean, that's not a mystery. I'm not breaking news here on 60-minute overtime. <laughs> if your defense is bad, you have to keep throwing. You have to keep racking up passing yards and points to stay in the game. And there have been too many times over the course of the last five or six games when this team gives up 14, 21, 28 points in a row in a first half, that cannot happen. If that does happen, you put your, you, you put yourselves in such a big hole and make yourselves one-dimensional where you have to throw it, and that's been a lot of it. So, uh, again, they, they've not had a problem throwing the ball and moving the ball and even scoring points on most occasions. The problem has been stopping people. And if they get some kind of defense on Sunday, they've got a great chance to win this game with the Giants. If they don't uh, come to play, and in particular pass rush well, they're going to have to score the Buccaneers 38, 41, 45 points to win the game because mm. the defense has been that bad. Now my final question has to be, the Giants for years have never matched up well against tight ends. And we, when you look at O.J. Howard on paper, it seems just to be a monster mismatch for who's going to cover him, Landon Collins or Alec Ogletree. I imagine the game plan would be to get the ball in O.J. Howard's hands. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's part of it. And O.J. has really blossomed in his second year as a first-round pick. And, and this guy, uh, look, I mean, there's there's things that, that, that go on in the NFL all over the place with people playing hurt. He sprained a knee in the uh, uh, end around the game with the Chicago Bears. And they had a bye week. They came back the next week, and he gutted out playing against the Atlanta Falcons and played well and caught a couple of touchdowns in that game and was clearly on the field grimacing and at times had a little hitch, had a little, had a little limp while he was out there trying to play. He played through a sprained knee ligament and continued to play well. And that, I mean, your teammates are going to gravitate to you when you gut it out like that. And this guy's a problem. I mean, he is every bit of 6'5", he is every bit of 240, 250, and he can run down the field and go make plays. So, again, you're, you're looking at reasons why the Buccaneer pass game has succeeded. You can't double-team everybody. You want to double-team Mike Evans? Okay, Deshaun Jackson will run right by a defensive back and go long. You want to try to take Deshaun away with two guys? All right, Evans may be good underneath, or O.J. Howard may go down the seam 
one-on-one right on you, and that's mm-hmm. happened over and over again in this offense. And then you start talking about guys like Cameron Brake, who's had some success here and there, although he had a really good season last year, has not has not been utilized as much. And a couple of receivers in the last two or three games, Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys, the Bucks legitimately have six different guys that are really good receivers. And so you've got a wealth of weapons, and let's see if the Giants – are ready to handle that. I mean, you come off a game Monday night where San Francisco maybe had one or two guys like that, Kittle and, and maybe uh, got, uh, the Marquise Goodwin, the speedster. you got six guys for the Buccaneers that can go get it done. So the Giants are going to have their hands full. And a couple corners that uh, are less than mediocre, I would say, for the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out. It's going to get tested. And look, Deshaun Jackson has had previous success with the Eagles and with the Redskins against the Giants. I know that's another thing that's been talked about down here with Deshaun's famous punt return on the final play of the game to beat the Giants a few years ago when they kicked to him by mistake. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of backdrop in this game. Uh, JPP's return, Fitzpatrick returns to New York. The Buccaneers desperately need a win. Need a win to calm everything down and maybe put a couple wins together and now you're back maybe in the playoff conversation. But it starts with Sunday. you got to win Sunday. Now, uh, are you ready? Are you ready for snowy New York City? So, uh, you know, I've, I've checked the Weather Channel. I've seen on social media from you and others that the nasty night was Thursday night with the sleet and that stuff. I mean, we're in Florida. We're weak. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this. When it's below <laughs> 55 degrees, we are weak. Are you telling me that there's going to be some of that mayhem still when we get up there Saturday night and Sunday? They, game they said it's... They said 43 at kickoff with a possibility of some precipitation later in the afternoon. So we'll okay. see. We will see. But the 43 means it's not the frozen stuff. It's not Correct. the snow. It's a cold so rain, though. <laughs> it's not too bad. It could be a cool rain. We'll see how it goes. And it should be advantage Giants in the, in the cooler, nastier uh, weather. I mean, you know, a perfect example was it was an 85-degree game for the Redskins. And they had the Redskins worn down in the second half of that game in the darker jerseys because this was a November hot game in Florida, and they were in the darker jerseys. The Bucks just couldn't finish the deal. Danielle couldn't get in the end zone, or else they would have gotten the win over Washington because they had their defense worn down, but they kept turning the ball over, missing field goals, making mistakes. Buccaneers on another new kicker, by the way. I, I saw that. Yeah. Bucks on another new kicker. This is the seventh kicking chain, seven since the beginning of 2014 in five football seasons. Let's see if Cairo Santos can be a solution and can make some field goals for the Bucks in this game and down the stretch. And he can't be worse than Catanzaro. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad, and he's no longer here. Despite being owed $3 million guaranteed, if you can't make field goals, what does the NFL stand for? Not for long. See you later. And so he's gone. Cairo Santos is in. We'll see if Santos makes a big kick or two. All right, TJ. I know you're busy. Thanks for taking the time talking to me, today, and I appreciate it. Always love being with you. Looking forward to seeing what happens here at MetLife Stadium. Isn't he a character? That is TJ Reeves, the official Buccaneers sideline reporter, with me on 60 Minute Overtime. Okay, and that's going to conclude our program today. It's uh, a little bit early, but okay, it's all right. Um, so I have a, an official announcement that I wanted to make to you guys. You'll probably see it online tomorrow. But you won't have to wait until next Sunday to listen to me again on 60 Minute Overtime. I'm going to be back on WFAN, the WFAN's airwaves, on Thanksgiving night at the final whistle 
the the final Thanksgiving football game, and I believe that game is the Falcons uh, at the Saints. So uh, as soon as that game ends, turn on your radio to 660 AM, 101.9 FM. Voice, and hopefully a little bit, bit a little bit less nasally. Obviously, in the metro area, it's 660 AM, 101.9 FM. Out of market, I'm going to post the live stream link on my social media at Coach M C C A R T A N, Twitter. That's the Twitter and then Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And uh, I just, some breaking news just came through uh, the ESPN app that I just wanted to share with you guys. GM of the Browns, Cleveland Browns, John Dorsey, would like to interview former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice for a head coaching job. Um, I know I did the WTF story of the week already, but I'm just trying to see, does she have any football background? I mean, I don't know. I could just try to check her Wikipedia real quick. Uh, she was part of the uh, college football playoff selection committee. Okay, but that's not the NFL. So uh, here we are in New York thinking that the Wilpons are going way out of their way, out of the box, in interviewing and eventually hiring a sports agent. But it's just Condoleezza Rice as a head coach? That's just just a whole new level. And Big Blue New York Rangers 85 just said to me, hmm, Adam Schefter has a funny way of spelling Danielle McCartan. <laughs> so what is he implying that I would like to be interviewed for the head coach job? Oh, please, I would love that. I would love that. Obviously, that's that's just a joke. What else? She uh, she's was briefly engaged to a professional American football player, Rich, Rick Upchurch. Yeah, right? And that's pretty much it. So um, my quick hit thought on that is, uh, although I love the choice of a woman being interviewed for a head coach in the NFL job, I think this might just be a publicity stunt. At least I hope it is for Browns fans everywhere. Okay, I'm Daniel McCartan. This was 60 Minute Overtime. I'll see you guys Thursday night. And if somehow you forget to turn in to tune into WFAN on Thursday night, I'll be back here on Sunday. That's for sure. All right, see you guys then. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M C C A R T A N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1 30 to 2 30 p.m.